Let's yeah. start this. Let's so, start this bitch. I guess we've already, <laughs> already started this. Welcome to episode 64. Um, I guess this is the beginning of episode 64, long awaited, and we're going to bring you an action-packed episode with ride reports, with updates from both of us on what we've been doing for the past month and why we've been MIA. We've got My an fault. email quite well, yes, email. <laughs> we've got an email <laughs> question that I want to address, which I think everybody can relate to. Um, we have a huge Harley recall to just quickly chit chat about. And then with my ride review, I've got some gear, new gear that I bought and, um, to go with this trip that I'd planned. And then also on top of that, I also want to throw out there a Garmin discussion because I attempted to purchase a Garmin unit to use on my trip and to use for riding just to do map out my long, crazy ride routes. Um, and have some navigation. So I want to talk a little bit about that and kind of where I've, what I've decided, what I've, how I've resolved this issue, um, because it's something that I googled about, and a lot of people have this problem. So we'll talk about that. But first, we probably should just do some updates. And uh, I'm going to let Christy what go first. What the hell have we been doing in the last like? <laughs> I, has it really been four weeks? It's been since four we weeks. Last time? I don't know about you, but I've been working. <laughs> yeah, well, there's been a little of that in there too. Um I was I was working out. Apparently, you are discouraged from working out after you get a concussion. So, oh, well, I, the blood, right? I guess re-injured myself. Oh. Um had to go back to the ER and that's where I was the first Sunday we were supposed to record that I missed. Right. So, almost exactly 2 weeks after I first got my concussion, I was back in the ER on record night. So apologies for that. Um, I basically have not lifted a finger <laughs> since since then, and hopefully I can start uh, heading back to to working out again. It, it really wasn't light stuff. It was just this crazy like uh, pop physique class. If you're even remotely um, a what aware of some of these uh, bar method pop, pop physique physique. Oh, I think you said pop physique. No, 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 pop physique. So ah. it's like a kind of a ballet cardio workout. Oh, and like, this one is busy? particularly challenging to a point where usually within the first five minutes, I'm almost thinking, how am I going to make it through the other 55? So that kind of tipped the scales for me. And I ended up uh, re-injuring myself and having to go get uh, quite the cocktail of drugs. Um, and then on top of that, uh, two days later, I was on a plane to Asheville to go uh, help a friend who had some major surgery. So I was cooking in Asheville, waking up every morning to a nice uh, view of the Blue Ridge Parkway, having some coffee, dreaming about riding one of the steeds in the garage. And finally, on that Sunday, or no, Saturday rather, he looked at me and said, you've been here all week. You've been busting your ass. Please take my motorcycle and go ride. And I actually took his buddy's uh, GT1000. So a really nice Ducati in uh, excellent shape, actually. And a really fun little ride. So I, I took that around for about an hour and probably spent like at least half of that time stopping every five seconds and taking a picture because it was well... just so pretty. It was just so pretty. You can't help yourself. So pretty. I couldn't. So um, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably uh, were quite envious of lots and lots and lots of photos with a pretty red Ducati in it. So uh, apologies for that. But know that I was uh, working really hard and got one hour and some change of fun. And then basically uh, it was a long way to the supermarket. So uh, went shopping, came back home. But um after I got back, so I was gone that weekend, let's see, that was probably a week or so after, um, I've just been really, really busy with work. My my boss is out on medical leave for the next six to eight weeks, and hmm. somehow, like, cancer seems to coordinate itself so that right before all these crazy budgets and financial stuff I never work on, it seems to manifest right before that. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Cancer is so inconvenient. <laughs> we had a good laugh about this before she left. But um, it always seems to happen right in the middle of budgets, which are really crazy because I'm, I'm not involved with any uh, tallying up the money. I'm just involved with spending it <laughs> and doing the technical aspects of, of my job. So on top of already being busy right now with uh, lots of, of field work and, and outside stuff and people working for me and needing to write technical reports, I've had to spend at least 12 hours a day cranking out um, what our projected spend is through the end of the project. And what I'm working on is, sorry to belabor, I promise I won't spend more than a couple minutes, but what I've been working on is my entire portfolio, budgeting it till we get the sites closed. As everyone knows, I'm a geologist and not just someone who freelances in the motorcycle industry. So that said... This entire portfolio that I'm bidding on, if we lose the bid, I lose my job. <laughs> so it's been mm. extra special important for me to get this right. So come the weekends, I've just wanted to run away from anything work, whether it have two wheels or four or anything, and just kind of vegetate for a little while. And that brings us up to last weekend where I was at Chukwala. A friend was racing out there. I had never been out there. I figured, you know what? I'll go out there. It's not anything related to budgets. <laughs> this sounds like fun. Man, it is so far out there. <laughs> it's like a three-hour commitment to mm -hmm. drive out there. So um, needless to say, it was a little warm. It was a warm spell out in SoCal. Actually, we've had a little more today. And uh, it was really fun watching, uh, you know, local uh, amateur racing. And, uh, yeah, so I had that going for me. I, w I myself was not on a bike, but I did get to play a uh, pit crew and got very familiar with putting on and taking off tire warmers, nice. being, uh, bring, being a water girl. Yeah. <laughs> so learning things bit by bit. Um, so that's pretty much it. And then the last week again, working really long hours. And, uh, I think finally this coming week I'll be able to start, getting back into catching up on what I need to do, which is now three weeks behind. So, been a little busy. Sorry about that. Uh, this My job, sadly, pays the bills, so Joanne and I can hang out and talk and bring to you this fabulous right. podcast. Right. <laughs> Nobody pays us to do this, so it's just, you know, whenever we have time, whenever we can, as much time as we can dedicate to it, Yeah. then we certainly so, do what we can. Sadly... Sadly, when the job that pays all of the bills, including what I don't necessarily make uh, in freelance, <laughs> um, when that job calls, I need to answer. Right. <laughs> I need to step up when I need to, yes. uh, when I have to, because uh, they, you know, I'm very lucky. My job uh, pays pretty well, and it gives me a very long leash, so I can take off, you know, a month or, or six weeks at a time. So, that said. Woohoo! We're today present. Can't wait to get on a motorcycle again. Um, Tell me about it. There's the, the women's sport bike rally is, I think, uh, the end of the month, end of May. Debating on whether or not I want to you should go. go up to that. Big Bear. Yeah, Andrea. Andrea with the Raptor. Oh, wait, big, wait, Big Bear? Is it? I thought it was Big Sur. No. No, women's sport bike rally is in Big Bear. If it was Big Sur, I'd be jamming up there. Okay, I thought for some reason I thought it was Big, Big Sur. Big Sur's gonna be a little. Yeah, so uh, I might I might be able to steal a, an R three and go up there and hang out. So yeah, my life this week will be uh, a lot of work, a little fun, maybe some trip planning, working on some stuff, um, and uh, yeah. I got to see when this, the East Coast Sport Bike Rally, I think is in September. So if, if you guys haven't heard of this, it's the Women's Sport Bike Rally. And it was, it's historically been at uh, Deals Gap on the East Coast. So they've never had one on the West. Um, I always wanted to do something like that when I lived over there. And Brittany, Brittany Morrow decided to put one together. So there's one in, in Big Bear. But the one in he here on the east side, I think, is pretty sure it's September. I'm going to try to go to that if I can. Um, see if, how much time I have left after all this vacation that I'm taking. So I, I took a little vacation this month. Um, not the vacation that I was hoping for exactly, but 
the nice thing is, is I got to ride down, I did my first really long ride down uh, on, on my new, on my Triumph. Uh, and I went down to West Virginia and I met Tamala, my lovely friend Tamala. And we've, we've talked about her before. We've chatted with her briefly before. And she's having a really cool retreat in the hills, in the mountains, in the uh, Monongahela National Forest in West Virginia, in Marlinton. And it's June uh, to 12 and 13. It's called Ride to Reboot. So it's a very relaxing uh, getaway. It's basically at this really cool bed and breakfast called the Inn at Mountain Quest. And um, it's just beautiful. It's remote. There's no cell service. So you can't use your phone, which is great. Yes. And there's very, very little internet. There's a little bit in case you have an emergency, but there's not like high speed internet for you to work or anything like that. And the inn is on this huge ranch. So it's acres and acres. I don't remember how many, but lots of acres. So they have uh, horses and they have goats and they have some chickens and some other farm animals. They have cows and llamas um, and just really beautiful scenery. Uh, and I'll post, I'm writing my ride report, so it should be done by the time this uploads as well. And it's just beautiful. So it's remote. It's in the middle of all these incredible roads. Um, probably the best riding that I've seen so far on the East Coast is just nested in all these twisties. And there were so many roads I wanted to ride. And my plan was leave Sunday, come back Thursday. And um, I basically rode all day Sunday. I left too late. I left at lunch. So it was eight hours, nine hours with appropriate stops to finally roll in there on Sunday night. And I rode this really great highway called Highway 250. And it was awesome. The problem is it was in the dark. So... It was really great, but it was pitch black and like, and I mean, pitch black and uh, very twisty. It just wasn't the way I wanted to um, ride those twisties. So I dodged some deer, so I didn't hit any of those, Ooh. but I did, I, but I did uh, dodge a cat. Well, actually, I think I ran halfway over a cat, but I dodged a possum. <laughs> Uh, it was wow. dark. It was really dark. So I didn't, I'm going to escape you a, a copy of the, of the route I took. Um, what are you doing riding at night? Well, I left late. So when it was dusk, I still had another 70, 80 miles to go. But as it started to get darker, I just started to go really slow and I don't have like HID headlights or anything. You know, they're not like super fancy LEDs. They're decent headlights, but I had to ride with my high beams the whole time. Um, and mm. I was still going like 40. I mean, I was totally going well below the speed limit and then slower. I was going like 25 a lot of the way. So it took me almost two hours to go what would really have taken me 40 minutes um, because it was dark and twisty. So by the time I it, it got, it was, it was just really late. It was my fault. I left late. I slapped it though to get there as fast as I could. But at the very end, the last section, it's in the mountains. So you have to ride through the mountains. It was still uh -huh. fun, though. <laughs> I don't know. It was still really cool. Um, I got a little bit lost, just a little bit. So it took me a little bit longer. But it, I wasn't wandering out in the middle of the night or anything. So I rolled in around 930. And then in the morning, just this amazing view, like nobody's business. And I'll send you a picture so you can see it, um, of this ranch. And it was gorgeous. It's just so stunning. It's beautiful. It's just the ideal place to relax and unwind and just hang out. And here, I'll send you a picture from my room. Um, and it's just somewhere you want to go. So if you live anywhere near it within a day or two ride of West Virginia, uh, I highly recommend you, you and your loved Ooh. one sign up for this. Um, Damn! Isn't it beautiful? Hold on, and I'm going to send you some horse photo. And um, it, and it's... I like your uh, watermark. Nice job. Oh, that's <laughs> Alex. My girl Alex made me a new logo. Um, nice. But it's just a beautiful ranch, and 
and they made us breakfast. So this retreat thing is two days. It's about four fifty a person. I think there's a slight discount if two of you go. Um, but it's just two days, and it's not a rally, and it's not like a, a you know a vendor thing. No, it's just you're going to meet some like-minded people who like to ride and you'll chit chat and hang out and relax. And then Saturday, there's a small group ride, a short group ride out. Um, I can't remember where for the day. And then you come back and there's like a barbecue at night and you hang out and relax, you know, and participate if you want to in the barbecue or whatever. But then it just gives you a chance to just hang out, talk to people about riding and, and enjoy the view. So it's it's awesome. I, I can't say enough good things about this resort. The couple who owns it, they're very sweet. They're awesome. They have they have cats <laughs> who wander the property. So just a really cool place. And I'll I'll post a link to that. So I, that's pretty much how I spent that that week. Oh well, with the exception of having to come home early. So my plan was leave Sunday on the twelfth of April which also was the day before my wedding anniversary. So we both ended up going to different places. Evan actually went to Vegas for with his buddies. That's true love, right? And I went... So you're celebrating your anniversary, you each well, have your it worked. It worked out. You know, we have other trips planned. Um, so I, Monday, I met, you know, Tamil and I were at the resort. So we hung out, we got up late, then we road, some beautiful roads um, that afternoon through West Virginia, through the mountains, and I had electrical issues. And so basically my bike shut off by itself. And it later it was, it turned out it's because my terminals were loose because I've got a heated liner or I've got a pigtail uh, tender attached to it and I've got my heated grips attached to my battery. So unfortunately the screw loosened and then my bike just turned off. And none of the lights would go on, none, the key, you know, you turn on the key and nothing would flash on. So definitely a battery issue. But um, because of that, I decided to come back early a day. So I really only rode, I really only had one day to actually ride like some serious twisties. And then I slabbed it home um, the rest of the way on Wednesday in the pouring rain. So I... I did my first long ride uh, in the pour, and I mean pouring rain for two and three hours. I rode 150 miles from Oak Hill, West Virginia, to um, Harrisonburg, West Virginia, and I went about 60 the whole way. And I was it was pouring the whole time. It didn't let up until I rolled into the parking lot of the hotel, and um, because Tamil had to go home, so. I uh, got wet. I learned a lot about staying dry, and and I also didn't use my liner because I didn't want to drain the battery in case it was a, you know, I don't know, my battery was dying. So it, I just kind of suffered through it. Um, unfortunately, my boots leaked, and um, mm. although although I know my left boot leaked, and although it's Gore-Tex. And you know you can warranty that. You can actually call Gore-Tex. It'll only really work if you are the original owner. So if you bought something from Revzilla, you can absolutely call them, uh, call Gore-Tex, say, in two years, and say, my boot's leaking, and they will work with you on it. But if you bought them off eBay like I did for $80, then they can't because I'm not the original owner. And for all they know, you know, I bought them from somebody who messed up the boots. There's no way for them to really verify that. Like they don't know, you know, um, what happened to them. It could have been the fault of a previous user. So I wasn't able to warranty them with them. If I were the original owner, I'm sure I would have because they were very open to it when I asked them about it initially. But then they probed me a little bit and said, well, when would you get them? And I was honest and I said I bought them off eBay from somebody who didn't really wear them. And the person I bought them from, they just sat in a box. So, what was the manufacturer of these boots? It's Daytona, my Daytonas. Um, so the my Who first makes the Daytonas. Daytona. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of that boot company. I thought it was like the, the name of the boot itself and not the company. It's because Daytonas are German, and there's only the one uh -huh. distributor, Helmut. But irony, since the name is like Florida. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> but they're German, so they have they make a lot of boots in Germany. And we uh, Revzilla brings in like three models. The Road Star, the M Star, and the Lady Stars, and I have the Lady Stars, and they're like the high platform Gore-Tex boots, and they're my second pair. I had a pair that I bought in two thousand, I think it was four or five, and I wore those yeah, out. I yeah, I gave that them was away. Your, your high boot. Yes. That was your I get more height with this boot. Yep, get about almost three inches on the back end, and about an uh, inch and a half, almost two in the front. So. Um, my first pair, though, was great. I never, ever, ever had any leaking issues, and I gave them away to a friend's daughter because she needed some gear before I moved. So I, I scored these on eBay like four years ago for $80. It was amazing because wow. they're 450 retail. Wow. Yeah, they're not cheap. So I'm bummed out, but seeing as how I only paid 90 bucks for them, I'm totally okay with that because I didn't pay full price yeah, for these. Yeah, they're so. four years old, right? So yeah, got I got... Like, you know, 30 bucks worth of wear yeah. or less, actually. Yeah, I'm just like, whatever. 25 bucks. And they didn't start leaking, though, until about two hours in. So it took... Sure. It took a while of pouring rain on the highway. So I'm still going to wear them, whatever. And then maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'll... They're not, a, they're not a useless boot. They're just no. probably a more of a dry one. You know, it's just I can't do three hours in the pouring rain, which I didn't want to do anyway. So... It just happened that that week, it only rained that freaking day. That goddamn hmm. day. It was the only day it poured. And the next day it was beautiful. And the day before. So this stupid storm ruined my plans. That's, so, that's uh, kind of like L.A. today, actually. Yesterday it was dark, gloomy, and gnarly, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to go to the beach. And then today it was freaking hot. The beach. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't yeah. hot. But uh, so the other thing, though, <laughs> that that did perform was my Cena. So I bought a Cena SMH-10R, which is their really flat, thin profile uh, unit. And um, it actually was waterproof. It's not supposed to be. <laughs> I called them and they're oh. like, no, it's not waterproof. It's water resistant. But it actually performed fine the entire pretty much the entire time. The only problem huh. I really had was I ruined the battery. So apparently the battery is not as robust as the unit. So yay me. Um, so the it? battery got wet? The battery got wet, and so it turned off. It would turn off, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't stay on for more than, like, two seconds. So so is that battery, like, a replaceable? Yeah, you can buy a new one. It... Okay. Yeah, it's external. It's not like... Oh, okay. Well, see, I, here, I think I... Oh, I didn't send you that picture. Let me send you a picture of me wearing... Um, the unit, you can see the profile of my helmet and you can barely see the unit. It's because it, the back of the unit goes to a little battery that you sticky tape kind of where the DOT sticker would be. It's a little battery. So that's why the unit's so skinny because the battery's not attached to it. I almost wish it were almost, I don't know. But anyway, the unit did survive the water, which I found to be pretty cool. So I wouldn't recommend riding in the pouring rain with it. If you have to, be prepared to buy another battery because you're going to ruin the battery. So to me, that's a minor. I'm totally okay with that. I bought a new battery. It's fine. It's like 20 bucks. Well, um, which brings up a good point since uh, we won't be including all of that chit-chatter before we started this episode about the Cena, <laughs> is that it's difficult to remove from your helmet, which means yeah. if you're uh, a one-helmet kind of gal and you want to take your uh, your helmet out and you know it's going to pour and you're not going to use your Cena, then you know how exactly would you try to protect it? Yeah, my thought, what I was going to do, well, the unit comes with two adhesives one is 3m stick and one is actually velcro so you can velcro Hmm. the unit on so my thought was okay i'll unvelcro it and just shove it inside my helmet i'll just shove it next to my cheek and survive whatever but i I googled a little bit and some people had ridden in the rain with it successfully and they didn't say anything about battery failure so that's why i went for it i'm like well these people they they rode in the pouring rain i'll i'll try it (laughs) thank god it panned out because that would have been a really expensive experiment. But I, do, I bought a dual pack so we could both have an upgrade. Because we've used nice. the SMH5s now for over five years. And they're they're a good little unit, but they're just a cheaper unit with not the same features. And just the quality is not as nice. The range is shorter. So the new units, are we can be a little further apart and still intercom. So it's just a few bonuses, which leads me to why I bought the unit. So... Something that I've struggled with since moving here is just how complicated the writing is. Mm-hmm. 
I can no longer cross the Golden Gate Bridge, take Highway 1 over the mountain down to Stinson Beach or Point Reyes up one and come back. It's, wow, you sounds know, like my date when I was in right, San Francisco. <laughs> right, just Highway 1. That's it. That's all you have to write in your tank bag, Highway 1 North. That's the only directions you need. You follow those signs and you'll get to your destination. I can't do that here. I have to write down like 30 different directions if I really want an interesting ride. Like <laughs> if I want more than the scenic route. So Left at the school, right at the fire hydrant. <sighs> There's a tree that bends to the ni- to a 90 degree angle. It's, go straight. It, you know, <laughs> I wish it were that simple. It's more like turn right at Route 38 slash Harris Road. Or turn left at Route 33, and the problem is the roads could either have a route number or a name. So it could be Feral Expressway or Route 2240, and you don't know which Hmm. one it's going to be. Like, I don't... Yes! (laughs) On top of the fact that it's just really long routes, and I've posted photos before of my ride route maps, and I write pages and pages of, of turns. So what I wanted to try to do was how can I do this on my phone to give me turn-by-turn directions on a route that I have chosen? And upon Googling like crazy, the simplest way to achieve this is a Garmin Zumo, which is the motorcycle-specific for motorcycles Garmin unit. Now, here's the Mm -hmm. trick. I, I discovered that you can actually do that theoretically with a car Garmin, a Garmin um, Nuvi. So upon a friend's advice, I bought a car Garmin for $80 on eBay. Wow. With with the option of returning. It's like, I need something I can return. Thank God, because I could not get it to coexist with the Cena unit. Mm. So although I could connect the Cena to the Garmin, the problem was I couldn't use my phone successfully through the Garmin. And it wouldn't let me um, successfully make a phone call where the person could hear me. And I tried it in so many different ways, and I, I just gave up. And I Googled this, and it turns out the car unit Bluetooth systems or the car unit's Bluetooth hardware is not fully compatible with the Cena hardware for whatever reason. Wow. There's a technical reason. You have to buy the motorcycle Garmin. That's like six. They probably planned it that way. Well, Cena said, like you know, we just no, we never thought that. Pe- you know, it's not something they're trying to create. You know, it's not like they were trying to work against it. It's just it just happens that the Bluetooth compatibility is different. So I'm not going to buy a five hundred seven hundred dollar Garmin Zumo. That's not. I, I have an iPhone. That's five hundred dollars. So I've decided mm-hmm. instead to use an app called Navigon, and it's actually owned by Garmin. Um, And it cost me $29 to download the entire eastern seaboard. So I've got every state. Yeah, it's actually kind of cool. So I can selectively download any state into my phone. So I only picked Virginia, West Virginia, and PA. So I figured out at least how to create my route inside the app, and then it'll give me turn-by-turn of my own map that I've created. The only pain in the ass is I can't just import it. I can't email like a, a an Excel sheet or something or a database file of my of my route and then import it all at once. I have to manually sit there for like an hour and put in all my stops and all my turns. It's just really time. It's just tedious. It took me a couple hours to put in a 200-mile ride route. I'm getting better at it. But um, what I was hoping for was that seamless import this file into the unit, and then there's my route. And I did that actually on the Garmin. It was totally successful up until that point. And but I need the turn by turn. I can't look down at every freaking corner. You know, I don't want to look down. You at don't any. want to, right? So I, I, you... I can't do that. And maybe if no, I had a well, you look down, you're going to miss something, right? And, and maybe if I had an F eight hundred GS with a big windshield where I could stick the Garmin in front of me, where I wouldn't have to move my head to to look at it, then I'd risk it because then at least I'm just using my peripheral vision. But I need the turn by turn, so that's why I decided to go with this Navigon. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Well, I've Googled this, and there is a way. There are some painful ways to do this if you have a PC. 
but there are no easy ways to do this when you have a Mac. And even with the mm. PC, it's like this long, drawn-out process. I found a really great thread, actually, on ADV Writer. So if you Google ADV Writer Garmin Ride Routes, there's a whole thread where, some, where this very issue, someone's like, I have ride routes. I want to program it into, my, into something to give me turn-by-turn turn of my, my ride routes, you know. And there was this whole discussion. I read through it all, but I, I just wasn't prepared to buy a PC to make, to make that work or to go through 30 million steps to import my ride route. And so for me, the compromise is I'm just going to futz with this Navigon app and make it work for the time being. Um, so if you want something to give you... Um, turn by turn of your own ride routes, the Navigon app is actually pretty good. It's not the most intuitive thing, but I figured it out and um, it actually worked for me when I was in Virginia. So I used between that and Google Maps. I still love Google Maps though. Oh, here's the kicker. I use Google Maps engine to make all my maps, like custom, like that link I sent you. I made that in Google and it's awesome. Nice. The problem is they don't let the app give you turn-by-turn turn directions of that map. If you have an Android phone, you can download an app that's only available on Androids so that it will give you the turn-by-turn turn of your custom map made in Google Maps Engine because the native Google Maps um, application on your iPhone doesn't give you turn-by-turn turn of your own route. It'll give you turn-by-turn turn to go to Starbucks or to an address, but you can't plot your own routes like that in there. So I we do have an Android phone that we use, but I, I can't use that because I'd have to pay for phone service. I'm not about to sign up for a, a contract for data just for that. So that's why I'm going to use my fancy iPhone <laughs> for the time being and, and, and hope it works. So that's what I learned on my, tra <laughs> on my time last month. Um, on top of, certainly on top of the fact that I love my motorcycle. It's the most amazing thing in the world. I can't believe I didn't buy it sooner. I just love that thing. And I'm Thank having God. serious withdrawal. This is withdrawal. what I really <laughs> wanted to hear is now that you've gotten over all the little trash keys and the stuff you bought, how's the damn bike? <laughs> oh, the bike's outstanding. I do need to get it set up though. I do want to go to a suspension place, a tuning place and have it just set up properly for my weight. Because I just, I haven't touched that and I don't want to mess with that. But um, I think once I do that, it'll be great. Um, yeah, no, it's it's outstanding and I freaking love it. I still have uh, miscellaneous um, farkles that, I'm <laughs> that I want to add to it just to customize my comfort a little bit. But no, I love it. I mean, the stock seat's better than my old seat by far. You know, it's not a Corbin or a Sergeant, but it's pretty damn good. I did pretty good on that seat. It's just great. Everything's great on it. I got my lights back on. Oh, so when I came back early, I decided to go to the dealer. And I went to the Maniac Triumph dealer. And I got my um, tune-up. So I got a beautiful 6,000-mile service. She's ready to go. She's got an oil change. She's got a fresh air filter. Yeah, and I got my lights put back on. Because when I bought the bike, he took off all the turn signals. So I put mm. the two rear back on myself, but I didn't put the front on because I was trying to put on something else. There's a recall, turns out, because the little stems on the um, turn signals are prone to breaking and snapping. So they replaced those for free, but he never went in to get them fixed. He just took them off. <laughs> after, he, after a couple broke, he just took them all off. So I was able to get my lights back on, so now I can use my turn signals. <laughs> Hopefully now people can see me. Um, but no, that's it's, important. It's, no, it's amazing. It's outstanding. Uh, I, it's everything that I was hoping it would be. And I just, I love it. I, you know, I freaking love it. I put about 1300 miles on it since I've had it a month. Finally. So, um, I'm going to put another not thousand this month. I'll probably put a good five, 6,000 this summer on it. Have a, another weekend plan for next, for May in two weeks. Oh. So no, it was great. It's fabulous. Love it. And of course, that's you know, the sound of music to my ears. Finally, the... <laughs> Joanne has found a motorcycle that's not going to kill her. 
Well, not yet. We'll see. No, I mean ankle pain or back pain or all the other stuff that you had problems with on SB. Yeah, I, I mean, I still have some of the, some body issues that I'm working on. I'm going to to a physical therapist for, but I just once I work those out, it, I think I will be I will be fine. But even still, it's still, it's just an amazing bike. I, I love it. I can't say enough good things about her. I freaking love it. So uh, what's the scoop on your hand? So what, So I planned this trip strategically so that I would have hand surgery when I got back, just in case I can't ride for another month or something. Um, I had a, um, a buildup of fluid in the tendon um, on my index finger knuckle. I don't know, that knuck, the knuckle bone on your index, left index finger. It's called something stenosis. I can't remember. There's like some technical medical term for it. Um, and so the fluid blocks up and it's called trigger finger. So what can happen in some people is that your finger gets locked, like you're holding something and then you can't straighten your finger out. I didn't have it that bad, but what I have had since January is just this dull pain in the knuckle because the fluid is, is all, it's all blocked up in there, I guess. So, um, I did two cortisone shots. I did one in February. I did one in March. And they just didn't work for more than a few weeks. So she said the only way to make the pain go away forever is to have surgery. So she just like cut a little hole on my hand below the knuckle and poked around. I don't know. She went in there and cleared up the cleared up the blockage or something and then stitched it. So it wasn't any like wrist or bone surgery or like anything serious that had to do with fixing bones because that would have been really really bad um it's just the tendon so i if i had to go ride right now i probably would (laughs) if i could find a glove to fit my hand (laughs) because my hands are still a little swollen i probably would but um do you have stitches in it yeah i have about four stitches in there and then she said Tuesday in a couple days I can take them out and then I can take the bandage off so I just need to keep the bandage on for about four full days before I take off the stitches um, and unwrap it but it was yeah it's just a couple little holes underneath the knuckle so it's just sore it's just sore like it felt initially when I went to see her um, at my first appointment so really achy and just tender but she said it might take uh, it might take a month or so, maybe six to eight weeks for the pain to completely subside. Um, so I, it'll just be the same, I think, as before. I mean, it didn't really bother me on the bike before. Not really. Because I, you know, on the clutch side, I only use my third and fourth fingers to squeeze the clutch because I don't. I have the friction zone set out a little further, so I don't have to make, you know, I don't have to close my hand as much. It's not a big deal. So I should be, I'm praying <laughs> next, in two weeks, because I've already got an overnight planned for May 9th, so I better be ready. Hopefully oh. Ready. Yes, we're going to, Evan and I are going to go ride to a little bit closer to West um, PA. Um to the border of of Virginia, maybe, or maybe we might go north up over the border of New York. I haven't quite decided. I just really want to go riding. Um, so we'll figure that out. But yeah, I'm going to figure out some nice long weekend riding in May. And then of course the retreat in June. So I'm not worried. I just need to wait a week, another week or so for the, for the achiness to kind of subside. But yeah, other than that, whatever. Um, that's pretty much Vision. all I was up to, really, while you were out and about. Um, yeah, being a pain. Oh, I guess the only other thing uh, for me is that I started was, I think two weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks ago, I actually posted my first column on Women Writers Now. So if you've been following my if you follow my facebook and my twitter feeds or if you follow women writers now then you'll see a link to my first article that i posted i um i have a new column 
Um, and it'll be a, probably a monthly column, like maybe one post every three to four weeks. And it'll be a, a pretty um, broad gear-related column with your gear questions. Um, I won't be doing personal recommendations for products, but that's where you can reach me on my blog for that. But just answering really general questions um, and topics. So my first article was about pink and, <laughs> and kind of the pink stigma and why people hate it and just kind of why it's such a hot topic um, mm -hmm. when it comes to gear. And then my next topic, well, it's going to come out this week. So definitely follow WRN and then follow my feeds and you'll, you'll see a link. So Genevieve likes to... pink, doesn't she? Um, yeah, she definitely likes stuff. animal print. I, I kind of <laughs> see them both as like a parallel, uh, yeah. universe. Yeah. Jan, uh, I think, animal print and pink. I feel like Jan, our, our good friend, Jan Plesna, she put it really well. She's like, Oh, for some of us, pink is like kryptonite. It's just something that makes you feel really, really weak. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. Um, but see, me, I'm in the middle because I don't really like pink on my motorcycle gear. But I do, <laughs> but I do like the color. Like I have not pink. on her helmet, that for sure. Yeah, I have a pink blou I have pink blouses. I have um, base layer that's pink. I, but I don't, it's not that I'm adorning myself with pink all the time, but I do like the color, like magenta and I like fuchsia. So I have a couple tops of that color, but it's not like something that's, I have to buy every pink blouse. It's not like that. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. I think I have a nat, a normal liking of the color like any other color. A normal relationship with pink. Yeah, just like I like tur turquoise, I like purple, I like blue and gray and black. It's no different with pink for me in my clothing and my my wardrobe, even my sneakers, whatever. I mean, I don't go overboard with it, but I don't hate the color as a color. There are certain shades I hate, like you will not catch me in a pastel pink because I think it looks terrible on me and I don't like it. But I like fuchsia and I like the deep magentas, you know. I think they're mm -hmm. really pretty. But um, it's, just, it's just such a dividing color. Some people hate mm -hmm. it. And the reason I hate it. Polarizing. It is. It's very polarizing. You love it or you hate it. You love it or you hate it. And, and for me in the motorcycle world, the main reason I hate it in motorcycling is because it is nine times out of 10 used as a marketing tool. And that just drives me crazy because stereotyping women writers as to only being one kind of woman writer is what we hate the most because I am a different writer than what Christy is. And Christy is a very different writer than what Jan is. And lumping us all into the same character, I think is, is, what drives me crazy because we're all so different and we have different needs and wants and likenesses. And it's really important for companies to acknowledge that. I'm not saying it's easy. It's a pain in the ass to try to figure out what we like and then appease us all at one time. It's really difficult to figure out, okay, what will Christy and Joanne and 10 of their friends buy? I know that's not an easy answer, but the answer is not make it all pink. <laughs> That's just not the answer anymore. That's why I despise it. Because I just don't like feeding into that. So that was my one article. And it actually got a lot of a lot of attention and people liked what I had to say. So I thought that was great. So look forward to a monthly feature for myself on um, Women Writers Now. And I think there's a link on the top for columns. So I'm one of the I'm I think in, in that drop down there. And then, I don't know, I hope to do, like, maybe I'll do a, a ride review of my street triple. I don't know. But hopefully I'll contribute some just general motorcycle stuff. So that being said, I think that might be a good transition to this email that I got. Because I think you and I can give some really, really, really good advice to a reader. And I got this email through GearCheck. And it was a lovely gentleman who was riding um, <laughs> on behest of his wife. So he has some concerns about his wife learning to ride. And he just would really like our feedback and, and really to give her um, directly some feedback on our thoughts on 
starting on a midsize, say, 650 versus starting on a smaller, lightweight, entry-level bike, like a 250 single or maybe a three or 400cc bike. Um, her contention is that she doesn't want to have to buy and sell bikes <laughs> and would rather just get it over with and buy one to, I guess, ride forever. Um, and then he also asked me how tall I was and kind of what my thoughts were on a couple different models, given how small she is, because she's actually even shorter than me. I consider myself pretty small. So um, he he mentions that she really likes the style of a Ducati Scrambler, a Monster, and a Super Duke 690, but she can only get one foot on the ground. Um being a short person who can only get one foot on the ground on pretty much all my bikes, including the street triple too, I can do two toes or two balls of my feet with the Daytonas because they're thicker in the front, but I can't, I can only get two toes, um, two toes, two toes with my CDs and then hmm. one left really. Um, that took me a really long time to master. That was not an easy accomplishment. It took dropping a couple bikes. It took riding 10,000 miles on one bike and then 8,000 miles on the next and then 30,000 miles on the one after that. It took a lot of hard work for me. Um, it just wasn't natural. I was not as coordinated in the beginning. I mean, I, I think I did a decent job because with my scooter, I, I only dropped it three times. Is that right? Three times I dropped it. Um, minimal damages, of course. And then on the Ninja, I think I dropped that like two, maybe, maybe three times. But I wasn't dropping it like every week. Um, but still, like, I had to work my ass off to really figure out like what I could ride. And then, and then I threw my leg over as many bikes as people would let me. <laughs> um, to just try out and 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 then I was able to really get confident and and get a grip um he did mention that she she did she is used to riding 125s in Thailand because she's Thai um uh -huh. yeah and she she looks like she has experience on yeah 125 cc bikes in Thailand and so I don't know what beyond the um, whole I don't want to buy and sell bikes things. I'm not sure what the apprehension is. Um, she just wants to have one thing for a while. Yeah, and I I get that. I, I mean, I, I can kind of see that because I think that a lot of new riders see that as failure. Oh, I can only, you know, I, I need another bike again. You know, why can't I just ride this? You know, I, I don't know. I'm. I think they just probably see it as a hassle, if anything. Or just, a, yeah, maybe a pain in the ass. But you know what? That's that's riding to me. I mean, I don't, I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, motorcycling is kind of a hassle. It's not easy. It's not short and sweet and simple. It's not something that every that things happen quickly on. It's all learning. Yeah, there's you have to take your time in some cases to learn things and figure things out and gear up and it's just a whole ordeal I think to ride it's not something to be taken lightly um but I would I here's the other I thing hope, I hope she opts to uh just start with a smaller bike that she'll end up selling after she's comfortable and mm. then upgrade because if you have your husband, who is totally backing you up on that entire process and supporting you. Man, if you don't like to do the buying and selling portion, just turn that sucker <laughs> over to your husband. Hey, honey, you know what? I'm done with this 200. Can yeah. we upgrade to a five? Yeah. He's all in. Make him do He's the work. He's all in. <laughs> right. But he, well, here's the other thing. He said that they went bike shopping and the KTM, the RC390, the Ninja 300, and the CBR300 were too tall. And um, the only ones, it looks like she, uh, the R3, she could get the balls of her feet 
touching with tennis shoes. Um, but she apparently liked the feel of the Ducatis. And I, and I wonder if just ergonomically the Scrambler and the Monster, they might have felt better because maybe the tank's skinny, so, so her knees are closer together. And therefore, mm. it's, it's more comfortable. Or maybe the weight's distributed really well to where it feels lighter. I mean, comfort, there's a lot to be said, I think, about immediate comfort because it doesn't matter how low the bike is or, or how small if you don't feel good on it, then you may not feel good on it, you know, riding it. I mean, I feel like that first impression is really important and you should feel really good. On the other hand, um, it's all about weight. And I'm going to guess that the Scrambler weighs more than a Ninja 300, than a R3. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually looked at the specs. So... It's it's something where is she willing to take a gamble on failure? It's like if she goes with the scrambler, great, go with the scrambler. Do everything you can to ride that scrambler. Get the right boots. Get really good riding pants. Get the right gear so that your riding comfort is maximized. Um, are you willing to put the time in and the practice time? the hours and hours of riding in your neighborhood to get comfortable? Are you willing to be embarrassed if you drop the bike? Are you know, are you willing to accept those risks and limitations? And if you are great, but you have to know what you're getting in that you're up against, you might be up against a, kind of an uphill battle. But that doesn't mean you can't overcome it. I mean, a lot of people start out on these 600 cc bikes shoot your bike people buy as a beginner bike and they ride it you know I yeah mean, the f650 gs would not recommend that as a first uh i wouldn't i mean i would never recommend an sv650 my my thought is like i feel like pretty much any bike theoretically it can be a first bike for somebody but it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy you know, sure, you can make an F800 or, a, you know, a 1,000cc bike your first. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. Are you going to be, you know, are you going to build your self-esteem as quickly as you want? Probably not. Is it going to be harder for you to overcome some of these limitations? Yeah, probably. Are you ready for that? If the answer is no, then that's where you need to step down and think about something smaller. And for me, the point of a beginner bike, whatever size it is, is it has to be something to truly motivate you to ride and make you feel really, really good about what you've decided and make you feel happy about the bike you're riding. You know, it's just like a relationship. It needs to be something where you it's mutually beneficial. You know, don't make it harder on yourself. To me, I feel like she might be making it harder on herself in the end and that that's that's where you have to weigh those pros and cons so the reader's name is jimmy and his wife is pam so pam if you're ready to take on tackle some of these potential challenges um and you're ready to work a little harder than you think you need to or than you thought you you would have to go for it but i'd say if you're not ready to work that hard then you may want to think about something else like the R3. R3 is a nice bike. It's a lovely bike. And it's it's great. It's beautiful. It sounds and I wish we had I wish I had those choices. <laughs> got a screaming got a screaming deal in California and Southern California and an R6. So if you're interested in an oh, R6 hello. that's virtually brand new no, that's got 148 not, no. miles on it. She's not interested in an R6. It's I'm not. Okay. I'm, I'm just off topic of what oh. you were saying. Not her. I'm saying sure. if anyone, by the way, <laughs> needs an R6, I can hook you up. Got it. All right. Well, for those of you who are who do need a nice mid-level sport bike. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing, too, is something that I thought about while I was riding my bike because this was really the first trip for me where I actually started to ride some serious twisties. You know, a lot of decreasing radiuses, a lot of tight hairpins, a lot of 15 mile an hour corners. 
just really technical riding that I haven't done on this bike before um, or in a while. That bike, it revs, it, it has so much power, even in second gear. It is throwing me into corners faster than I expected it to. And it, as it should, it, it, that bike, even though it's a 675, what people don't realize is that it has 105 horsepower. That's 30 more horsepower than my 650 twin with only 70. So I've got way more power, but I also have more power at the lower RPMs than my old bike. So I'm trying to get comfortable. I'm just, you know, trying to figure out where, um, but what the gearing's like, you know, what gear I want to be in for certain corners um, versus others. And I just cannot imagine being a new rider and having to try and figure that out. And, and I know not a lot of new riders are riding hard twisties. But even just in a normal, just a, say, on-ramp corner, you know, just a nice, large, sweeping corner, it's still, like, to me, would be terrifying. You know, you're on a bike that's that has way more power than you could have ever imagined. And oops, you've just, um, you know, geared up to third gear and you have no idea what that bike's going to do as soon as you hit the top of that apex and you've never ridden before that just to me seems is terrifying you know and I, I'm pretty comfortable in corners but um, I can't I can't believe people buy my bike as a first bike to me that's really unsettling you know or even in R6 like that's just crazy I, I imagine though that the scrambler because um, isn't that a 700, right? It's like a 7. I thought it was a mid. It's a 7 or 8. But I think yeah. the horsepower is still only like 69 or 75. It's not like 100 horsepower, right? It's a twin. So I think the power is still low. And I, I would I would theorize the power band. It lives a little, it is a little different. But um, like I... I I don't know how anyone can, how do you gain your confidence? Like, how do you, how do you boost your confidence if you, the bike's, you know, moving so much faster than you, you can't even catch up with it, you know? Like that, to me, that's where I think your learning curve will be drastically increased if, um, you know, if you start on something that fast and that powerful. Um, I forgot to answer Jimmy's other question. He wanted to know what my inseam and my height is. So I'm 5'3", but I have a 28 and a half inch inseam. So my inseam is probably an inch and a half taller than anyone else who's 5'3", because most 5'3 people have like a 26 maybe a 27. I'm very lucky. I'm very short-waisted, so I'm all leg, long legs. It's, by the way, 803 cc's, 75 horsepower. So it has the same horsepower and roughly the same engine as my bike. Yeah, so it's not, you know, it's certainly not tuned, you know, to to be a race bike or anything. So the power is reasonable. And I think uh, 70 horsepower is probably a good cap for a beginner bike. Anything more than that, and you're just asking for trouble. Um, mm-hmm. or you're, you're definitely going to be struggling, I think, with self-confidence, confidence issues. And confidence is really key in riding. If you don't have it, you're not going to ride. You're, you're not going to want to ride. You're going to be afraid. You can't, you can't be confident on something that you're afraid of or that you don't understand or that you don't get. And you really want that bike to click with you. You know, you want a relationship where the bike just, you and the bike are clicking and you, you you know, you can feel really good about, about riding it. So that's, I think that's where I stand on that. I, I, uh, Jimmy, I hope you and Pam are able to come to a, a nice agreement on that. And I, I applaud your support because it's, it's wonderful that you support her in that way. What are my thoughts on that? Um, How about that uh, Harley recall? Since you know a little more about it than I do. Well, I haven't dived deep, but I think by now you've probably heard it, that Harley has recalled almost 46,000 motorcycles 
um, because in the U.S. because they can stay in gear due to clutches that won't fully disengage. The recall covers certain Electroglide, Ultra Limited, Police Electroglide, Street Glide, Road Glide, and Road King models from 2014 and 2015 model years. So the explanation here says that gas bubbles can cause the clutch master cylinder to lose its ability to fully disengage the clutch, especially if the bike has been parked for a long time. This could cause a rider to lose control if it started in gear. So, hmm, apparently customers were complaining about this and Harley has reported 27 crashes and four minor injuries due to this issue. So if you haven't received a letter, um, call your dealer, but I would guess since it's 2014 and 15 model years, you, you're, you still have this vehicle. I, I'm going to guess you haven't, you're not a second owner just yet. Um, but mm-hmm. if you're not sure, call Harley. We'll also post a link to their website where you can put your VIN number in to Harley's website and it will tell you what recall issues might be uh, affecting your bike. So we'll post a link to that, but, uh, good luck. Good luck with that. Hopefully, Hopefully you have not been a victim of this this recall, but definitely check it out if you own any 14 or 15 model bikes. And um, other than that... Oh, no, there are some more recalls. Since we've been out of the loop for a little while, thanks to me, um, Mm -hmm. there are a couple of recalls Mm. going on. Okay. So while we were out, if you haven't already heard, there's also been a Yamaha recall. Oh, um, for the FJ09, the FZ09, the oh. FZ6R, Super Tenere, Super Tenere ES, and oh, the YZF R6, manufactured between September 1st, 2014, and November 17th, 2014. So a really finite, like, couple month time frame. Um, incorrectly manufactured uh, shifting assembly. So mm. if you have not. If you have one of those models and have not been contacted yet, you might just uh, want to contact Yamaha's customer service. We will drop you a link to the to the site on our show notes. Also, there was a quite a major recall for BMW um, affecting three hundred sixty-seven thousand motorcycles worldwide. And basically all but the 800 and the 650 GS were like on this list. It's an absurdly long list, so I won't be able to go through everything. But it's as early as 2005 going to as recent as 2011. Mm. And it, uh, you know, their street bikes, their K series, their HP2 series, it was a limited run. The R1200S, the street um, a lot of the high uh, 1,200 motors, so the 12 and the 1,300 motors seem to be most affected here. And uh, the GS models that were affected were 2005 to 2010, R1200 GS, as you know, that is not the liquid-cooled, and the uh, GS Adventure. So um, we will also post a link to our show notes if you've not... Uh, if you own a BMW model that is not the 650 GS or the 800 GS, you might want to <laughs> take a look at that website to make sure that uh, that you're good to go. Um, also, I guess in other news, if you're a Troy Bayless fan, and my girlfriend mm. and I happen to be Troy Bayless fans because he's just such eye candy. Come on. He's so cute. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> like Like men can get away with saying that women are eye candy, well, guess what? I can turn that right around. Yeah, um, why not? He uh, he might not be a part of the World Superbike Race Series, but uh, he will be uh, moving to AMA Pro Grand National Series, uh, riding uh, Lloyd Brothers Motorsports Ducati, and uh, also teaming up with Johnny Lewis. So, if you are lucky enough to be in the Springfield Mile area or the Sacramento Mile at the end of the, actually, end of May. Too bad I can't make it up there. Uh, Duquan Mile and the Indy Mile, as well as the Springfield Mile, the second round, then you will be lucky enough to check out Troy Bayless in action. So I envy you. 
And other than that, I think that's pretty much wrapping it up for me. Me too. It's my bedtime. Yeah, I'm keeping Joanne up late since it's 7.30 Pacific Standard, (gasps) which means it's 10.30 Joanne time. It is. Well, thank you for letting us ramble on a little bit. Um, We will definitely post links to all the stuff we talked about. And, of course, if there's anything else you ever want to chat with us about, drop us a line at motorific at gmail.com. Certainly visit us on facebook.com slash podcast. And then, of course, you can visit us on Twitter as ADV Goddess and Gearcheck. Until next week, hopefully we will. We should be back next week. Um, we will talk to two you weeks. again, or two weeks. Sorry, I keep. I'm, I'm, I'm all off. We'll see you in a couple <laughs> that, of weeks. I think I did that to you, actually. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you did that to me. So we'll um, promise to bring you a nice full episode in two weeks. So until then, keep the rubber side down. Bye.